we need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Let's just call it the Iron Fist and the Tech Guy. Joe, how are you? I'm good. Uh, Unemployed now. Unemployed. I I was made redundant uh, last month. Mm-hmm. As of, uh, and effective as of today. So right. I'm taking the opportunity to go and see family back in Europe mm-hmm. and sort some stuff out. So I will be active as I can be. It's it's 9.30 in the morning UK time. Perfect. So should be able to get on, assuming I've got a decent internet connection. And yeah. that's the, the, the big question. A tip for you, Joe. Mm-hmm. Take a microphone with you. Yeah, that's true. Because somebody who should be here for the 400th episode yeah, who moved from Rockhampton to Mackay just forgot to pack his microphone and is now twiddling his thumbs in Mackay and unable to join us in this important episode. <laughs> oh, Scott. There we go. So Scott's not with us because he didn't pack his microphone. It's probably somewhere in a box back in Rockhampton or something like that. So it's just Joe and I. There we go. For episode 400. We'll just rant away as we do. If you're in the chat room, say hello. Don's already said hello. David Cox has and congratulated us. Uh, he's Yam Yam Blue. Thank you very much. Yes, 400. It is quite an achievement. And, oh, look, initially I wasn't going to, but then in the last half hour I've cobbled together some thoughts, a bit of a review of... 400 episodes and what I've taken from it. So may as well run through it and and tell you what I think. Because 400, that's significant. There's not many podcasts running around that have done 400 once a week and gone for eight years. So that's what we've done here, dear listener. News and politics, sex and religion. And people are still listening most of the point. Yes. Congratulations to the listeners. Yes, for the listeners. Been a marathon. Good on you for hanging in there. So let me put the chat up here so I can see what people are saying. There it is. Yes. So, so yeah, it is a big milestone, 400, and not everybody can get that done. I was always confident, Joe, right from the mm-hmm. beginning, that this would be a long-lasting podcast. I knew it was going to make 100 or 200 episodes for sure. So, oh, There's plenty to say, isn't there? There is. It's, it's Pol- the, politics is the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> that's right. Other podcasts that – traditionally rely on interviewing people, for example. It'd be really hard to find 400 people to interview on a particular topic. So, And just lining them up is tricky. So <laughs> we've had it easy in that sense, that we haven't relied too much on interviews. Although yeah. I have to say that the episodes where we have had interviewees have been some of the better ones and um, some of the more enjoyable ones. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely been some interesting interviews. Yes. So... It's all about time, dear listener. That's just, you know, organising people, getting the right time, hooking up and doing it all is tricky. So anyway, I thought it'd be interesting to just sort of think about how things have changed in the podcast, this podcast, and my thinking. Because probably some of you may think, oh, Trevor's very rigid in his views and he never changes and he always thinks he's right. Well, I, I 
You were a member of the Labour Party for some of it. That's right. I was a member of the Secular Party for some of it. That's true. Yeah. So, so let's so you know the podcast obviously started with Scott and myself, and a big emphasis was on sort of secularism. We were part of the Secular Party, and it was about trying to promote secular ideas via a podcast. But pretty soon, you know, in the first episodes, we were looking at just politics generally, and. You just can't talk about religion and secularism every week. <clears throat> so, so that was how it started. And so some things haven't changed. We're obviously still very pro-secular and anti-religious privilege. I think we've been pretty consistent over eight years on that one. I was always, from the very beginning, anti-expensive submarines, and that was when the bill was only $50 billion. It's now 368 or something crazy like that. Cheaper half the price. <laughs> But, but we've been talking about submarines since the very beginning on this podcast, uh, arguing about that, always anti-submarines. We did a lot of discussion in the early days about the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I remember. Mm. These are evil agreements where basically governments agree that multinational companies can come into their countries and not have to face any sort of tariffs. And, and sue them for the... Banning of tobacco. Yes, and they, they have these investor state <laughs> dispute resolution clauses so that if a company of a signatory country decides that rules have been implemented which detract from their business model unfairly, then they can sue under the Trans-Pacific Partnership or under these free trade agreements. And you end up in some dodgy tribunal room in Hong Kong or somewhere by some person who's not a qualified judge and all sorts of nasty decisions can be made where governments can be told, no, you can't change laws, you can't change the mining law that might affect the profitability of an international miner. And you can't, you know, they tried to argue that we couldn't change our tobacco packaging laws because that would interfere with the profits of uh, Philip Morris and it was a unfair restraint of trade contrary to the free trade agreement. So that was a big topic in the early days. Hip, hip, hooray for Donald Trump because one of the first things he did was can the idea of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, put it to bed. And that's why, and it hasn't come back since Donald Trump. So it was basically all the way up until Donald Trump, we were talking about that fairly regularly. And only in recent times we had Clive Palmer with one of his companies a local domestic company, which he then domiciled somewhere else like Singapore in order to take advantage of I, a free I trade agreement. don't believe that yeah. that man would be litigious in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So he was pulling the same trick that the tobacco companies did in shifting a local company overseas in order to use the free trade agreement uh, clauses. Despicable stuff. The negotiating of these clauses is done highly secretively. We never get to see them until it's a done deal. And shock horror, it's always bad for everybody except multinationals, Joe. So that was a big one in the early days. You, you mean you mean citizens, don't you? Yeah. What did I say? Multinationals. It, well, it's good for multinationals and bad for citizens. No, 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 no. Citizen multinationals. Exactly. Multinationals are citizens, don't forget. Yes. Indeed. Then we had, we've always been, I've always been 
anti-Bill of Rights, whenever that's cropped up, because I don't like the idea of activist judges being able to decide things. Bill of Rights essentially always vague and open. They have to be deliberate in nature. Yeah. So are you, are you anti the Constitution then? Because that's vague and open by nature. Well, it'd be worse if it had a Bill of Rights in it. <coughs> right. Even more vague. So Constitution's not, I mean, I was going to say it's not bad. I mean, or it's... Um, activist judges with section, what is it, 113 or 116? There's not too much that was to oh, do with religion. Yes. The, the yeah, fact yeah. that we missed out the... With the dog's case. The the word a religion instead of religion. And any religion, yes. That's it, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Okay. Wasn't that a great decision? Imagine how much worse it would be if it was more open. You know, one of our problems, Joe, is we really should get rid of the states and the whole idea of the Constitution was the states agreeing to the Constitution. So yes, that's never going to happen. I was thinking the other day, I was thinking today, there's something happening in ACT where... The ACT wants to pass laws in relation to freeing up drug possession, decriminalising. Okay. Yeah. And, of course, the member for your electorate, Joe. Yes. He made a, a living, made a name for himself as a copper who wasn't at all in any way, shape or form bent. Yes. He has decided, no, we don't need decriminalisation. They're going to stand in the way of the ACT passing these laws. Of course, the ACT is a territory, not a state, therefore subject to control by the federal government. And I was thinking to myself, maybe, you know, one day we could face the ACT wanting to become a state. Well, you know, if Friendly Jordan is to believe, he's got some friends who are making fairly lucrative business out of it. Out of? Colombian marching powder. Right. Okay. No doubt they are. But you know what? I think it'll be impossible for the ACT to ever become a state because the other states will look at it and go, well, they're a bunch of liberal lefties. We won't let them have a vote in the constitution that might be important. But also it was all about Sydney and Melbourne wanting to have the capital and ACT being an independent third party, yeah. so they're not going to let it become a state with the capital in it, are yeah. they? No, probably not. Anyway, they're destined to always be under the thumb of federal rule. Always pro-equal rights and anti-special rights on this podcast, at least, <coughs> so always pro-gay marriage. when that No, no, marriage equality. Marriage equality. Thanks, Joe. Always in favour of voluntary assisted dying. Really enjoyed following how that all progressed, and over the eight- live organ transplant. What's that? Live organ transplants. What about them? Monty Python, meaning of life. Oh, okay. Sometimes, Joe, you're just too obscure for me. <laughs> right. Okay. Voluntary assisted dying would be one of the success. You know, the marriage equality and voluntary assisted dying. Some of the success stories for our society over the last eight years. Uh, and also abortion. Hmm. Making that easier? Um, it yeah, up. so so legalising mm. it rather than making it a special exemption. Yes. I think most states did it in the last few years, didn't they? Mm. Queensland definitely did. I think New South Wales did. Mm. A couple of others. Mm. 
So, so yeah, in the chat room, thank you more. Noisy Andrew's in there and David Ryland's there congratulating us. Watley the wizard is there. Who else is in there? If you're in the chat room, say hello. That's good to see. What else did we talk about? I was always very wary of the voice. I think it was way back in episode three we flagged that Noel Pearson had run this idea up the flagpole and I was at that point not a fan. It remains so ever since. So there's a list of things that really haven't changed. Opinions have been pretty much the same as what they were when we started. And, you know, have I changed my mind about anything, eight years or thoughts or whatever? I was talking to Paul from Canberra about this the other day. I'd say I've softened towards Muslims. Just, I would have. Muslims or Islam? Well, both, really. I think right. I've softened to them. I, I, I pretty much would have previously, eight years ago, had them at a different level of distaste to Christianity. Maybe Christianity has just deteriorated to the level where Muslims are. That's possible. Yeah, but I think, yeah, certainly not as harsh on Muslims as and Islam I, I, as I was. Uh, there hasn't been as much Islamic terrorism in Western countries recently. True, yeah. Okay, previously I would have been quite libertarian in line with the 12th man, but I've developed a greater willingness to constrain individualism where it detracts from the overall benefit of the community. So 12th man and I, of course, had many arguments over free speech, cake baking and Israel Falau and... The twelfth man would have been arguing a lot of the time about the freedom of the individual to do what they want, and I started to initially in the early days I would have been along the same lines, but then I shifted more to collective responsibilities. I would say so. I think that was a significant change in the way I viewed the world. You changed in that way at all, Joe? I was historically. I believed that hate speech should be limited. Mm. And then I list, listened to Christopher Hitchens' speech at somewhere in Canada mm. where he argued that actually it wasn't the freedom to speak your mind. It was the freedom to hear an opinion that was different from yours. Mm -hmm. And that the only way that you are ever going to make a good decision is to hear arguments that go against your current position. Mm. Uh, and therefore, it's less about the freedom for me to spout hateful material and much more about having my ideas challenged. Mm. I sort of look at it these days where there's a lot <coughs> of restrictions on speech, mm -hmm. defamation, financial advice. You can't give financial advice, good or bad, unless you're registered. And that's a good law because... People can lose a lot of money and suffer a lot of pain from shonks giving financial advice who aren't qualified and who aren't regulated. So we, we stop people saying things like financial advice that can hurt people and communities. And then we have this issue of people who are wanting to, you know, advise against, you know, vaccines and things like this, mm -hmm. where arguably... 
that can also cause a lot of pain and problems for a community. And trying to define a difference between those two is not always easy. So, you know, in eight years ago, I would have said, let them say whatever they like and people have to sort things out. And I certainly would be more at this stage in my life of going, let me find a way to stop them. <laughs> let me find a way to argue they should be stopped would be my initial thoughts. I, I, I No, I'm, I'm happy to let them speak. I just want the ability to stick up a huge banner over their heads saying this is a lying liar who lies. Yes. <coughs> so anyway, that's a change. Let me think. Also, I was previously unaware of boomer privilege and intergenerational power plays. I think I'm just more aware of that now. Well, that was because of Paul. Because of being a boomer. Yes. <laughs> Paul was not your classic <coughs> boomer, though. He wasn't a privileged boomer with it. Yeah. No, no. no that was kind of the joke. Yeah. Previously unaware of the extent of US imperialism, and previously I would have blamed poor countries for their corrupt, dysfunctional governments without considering outside influences. I would have probably been going, you stupid people, just get your shit together. Why can't you just organise yourselves? And uh, now I'm far more aware of the context. No, I, 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 I long found it ironic that the US was lecturing Western Europe after the Second World War mm. about getting rid of their colonies whilst desperately creating their own colonies around the world. Yes. So I certainly that's an awakening for me. I would previously have been wary of China. Like if you look at some of the earlier episodes, we did stories criticising the social credit scores or worrying about them and also the Belt and Road Initiative. Mm -hmm. This was a scheme that China was using in order to foreclose on poor countries and gather it assets. Also, it was also to gather votes at the UN. Sure. Yeah. I, so, you know, definitely in the early days, I wasn't pro-China like I am today, obviously. So that's a change. Previously, I would have thought Hawke and Keating were good. Now I'm beginning to realise they were just like another version of Tony Blair, it seems. It's put in a lot of stuff that ultimately wasn't great for Australia. So, well, Free market. Yeah, yeah. Sold off, selling off stuff and the way super was just too good. And, and we talked about that whole role with the deal with the union movement and Labor, not the party, but Labor, the idea sort of supposedly entering the asset class and giving up mm -hmm. their, their income. Um, and, you know, things started turning bad for, for wage earners at that point. So, so anyway, changed my mind about them. So there you go, dear listener, I do change my mind about some things. Other thoughts would be... Joe, economics is complicated. Try no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. Currency is complicated <coughs> and crucial. Mainstream economic theory has let us down. Well, that episode with the modern monetary theory. I yeah, think. fascinating. Yeah, Stephen Hale. So, yeah. so I reckon, dear listener, I've spent a lot of time trying to get my head around economics, and I think it's – intimately intertwined with US hegemonic power and not enough is understood about economics because it is so difficult and 
Joe, some of the complex, some of the stories, the ideas we do here are not that complex and people just can't get their head around them. And economics is a complex one and so I don't blame people for not getting their head around it. It's, it seems one of the ways of getting change in terms of our society will be trying to get the average man to understand, for example, trickle-down economics doesn't work. But it's so ingrained. It, it works perfectly. The question is, <laughs> who does it work for? That's right. Not in the way that it's sold to the public. Yeah, true, Joe. So, yeah, economics is complicated. I quite like Sam Harris still as sort of one of the podcast guys, but he has a real blind spot on economics. He never talks about it. I think we at least try to do that here, try and look at the ins and outs of some of these economic questions. So some of the things I would like to revisit as I think about what we've done in the past would be just things to do with human nature the whole nature and nurture argument, the whole idea of we are sort of our DNA plus the cultural influences that play on us and sometimes that culture affects our DNA and our biology and it's a real intertwining of what we are hardwired with mm -hmm. and how that is shaped and fashioned and changed <coughs> by culture. So... Uh, that's all very interesting. And meritocracy we talked about, which is interesting. The whole idea of human beings, we did sort of the fruit flies versus the honeybees story, that honeybees are social creatures and the whole idea is about the hive, whereas mm -hmm. fruit flies are solitary creatures. So if you were to sort of talk to somebody about fruit flies, you would talk about their wings, their legs, what they eat, uh, their daily habits of an individual fruit fly. But when you talk about honeybees, you wouldn't really be talking so much of that as the interactions between the bees and how they communicate. And that's the story of honeybees. And we as human beings are honeybees rather than fruit flies. And it's our interactions and our social networking and the things we do as a society that is what makes us human. Oh, absolutely. Society is what gives us value. Mm. And, and this is always the argument against when people, libertarians talk about taxation being stealing their money. Mm. Uh, and you know, it's, it's uh, no, it's society's money. How much of it should you be allowed to keep? Because all the value is gathered, is generated by society. Indeed. Yeah. Those sorts of discussions need more of those. Mm -hmm. I hadn't talked about them for a long time, the Psycho Chickens. I still have it on my playlist. Right. <laughs> it's a great story, the uh, the Psycho Chickens story. Oh, I just meant the song, but. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a good one as well. So we'll revisit Psycho Chickens at some point, dear listener. If you haven't heard the Psycho Chickens story, go on your app and do a little search in our podcast and see if you can find it. So, so there you go. That's a little review of... 400 episodes and what we were thinking about and how we've changed or not changed. So there we go. You're in the chat room. Keep saying hello. We'll just get on to topics now, Joe. If you're late to the party and you're wondering where Scott is, he left his microphone in Rockhampton. He's currently in Mackay, therefore. He's currently in the doghouse. <laughs> in the doghouse, yeah. So that's, that's where he is. <clears throat> 
don't watch much straight television these days, Joe, but my wife likes watching Australian Story on the ABC. And they had an episode on Silverchair, famous Australian rock group out of Newcastle. And, you know, they went, went through the history of the band and what had happened to them, etc. And the whole thing with drugs and the, the lifestyle of a rock and roll star, Joe, mm-hmm. It'd be pretty hard to live that lifestyle and not come a buster somewhere along the track with, with drugs and that the fame and the money and you're away from home and the rules. People throwing themselves at you. Yes. yes. And throwing drugs at you. Yes. And just maintaining French, normal friendships. And mm-hmm. you can easily imagine how people would start off in a rock band as perfectly normal and end up in a very different place just by virtue of being a rock star travelling the world and being offered all sorts of things. You could easily imagine it. The culture of the cultural environment that you're put in is going to have a major influence on what happens to you. Yeah, I mean, there are those that live fast and die young. Hmm. And then there are those that just keep going and going and going. Yes. Some of them lucky. Some of them. Some of them well quite managed. boring, actually. Yes. Some of them quite boring. Some managed to do it. So, you know, I just, as I was, because I've been corresponding with somebody over the voice, and it just sort of struck me that in this whole voice debate, we've just got no mention of the potentially negative role of culture has not come up in these debates at all. It just frustrates me that culture isn't mentioned. So Watley's coming up with some ideas, Sid Barrett, Robert Calvert and Lemmy, et cetera. Yeah, these are all see, people who have successfully avoided drugs, are they? Is that what he's saying and lived no, a very think, normal but, lifestyle? Or, or but the burned out very early. Oh, right, and okay. S- Sid Barrett lost the plot, but I don't know if that was drugs. Right. I think that was just a mental health condition. Right, yep. So... Um, Cliff Richard, though, yes. I yeah. mean, he got he he caught God, didn't he? Uh, he was infected with that that virus. Did he? Yes. Right. Okay. Poor bugger. <laughs> For fate worse than a drug overdose. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway, during the week, <coughs> had a bit of a email, had some feedback on the uh, the voice episode. Oh, look, I had one from a guy called Andrew, and he wasn't happy with the episode. He says, if you listen back, you will find you personally don't demonstrate why the voice is needed. You dominated, only seem to listen if a phrase somewhere said by others seemed to support your case and you won't like this, you were ignorant. Further on, he said that I didn't want to listen uh, and he said, you don't consider yourself ignorant, but listening to the podcast today, I hate to see it, but say it, but ignorant you were. And uh, yeah, so he had a bit of a rant at me. Just come back to him in a moment. Meanwhile, Murray Waper, he sent me, he started off saying, I found the debate on the most recent show interesting but disappointing for the yes proponents. Because you are the most prepared podcaster, the lawyer training I assume, I feel I could or should have done more preparation for the show rather than relying on gut instinct. See, that's the way to write some feedback. Just throw in a little compliment to me. 
at the beginning. Thank you, Larry. Yeah, the shit sandwich. Yeah. Compliment. That's it. Talking back smack. And then. Good compliment. And then. At the end. Compliment and then but. And then. Yes. Yeah. Start off with something nice at least. Anyway, Murray's feedback was a little bit confusing to me. I'm asking him to clarify something there. Anti-US sentiment said, impressed by Liam's points. I'm just voting yes because I want to offer support to a group who have been displaced and repressed for decades. Maybe that's virtual signalling, but I'll wear that. Meanwhile, Mark said, I listened to the voices section twice. Some interesting points made on both sides, but I felt that the no points were more persuasive. A little bit racist seems like a little bit pregnant. So that was some of the feedback I got. Just getting back to Andrew, he did actually then sort of, after various emails, give me sort of an apology of sorts for his kind of rough language to me. So thank you, Andrew. Apology accepted. Don wanted to point out that he's seen a whole bunch of yes adverts recently, but nobody bothering with no adverts, Mm. and therefore suggests that maybe the yes camp are scared that the no vote's in the lead. Right. Well, they should be scared that the no vote, because it is in the lead. Yes. So, yeah. I guess it depends on the circles that you inhabit as to what age you say. Yeah, I was going to say the Murdoch rags are all full of, and also my friendly neighbourhood potato wrote to me recently. Did he? Oh, this is uh, Peter Dutton. So, dear listener, Joe lives in... uh, Peter Dutton's electorate, yeah, holding it up to the camera, a little... Ten reasons to say no. Right, there we go. So I'm, I'm glad the, I presume, federal parliament funds are paying for this. I'm sure he's not paying for it. Sure it no. Comes out some electoral allowance or and, other and, stuff. And go to riskyvoice.com for more information about... Is that what they call it, riskyvoice.com? Yeah. Okay. And... and <clears throat> This is the sad thing. There are shit reasons to vote no, and there are reasonable reasons to vote no. Yes. A- and uh, the the right wing of Parliament seem to have picked on the, the shit reasons. Yes. And I'd like to see people commenting in the no camp being a bit more aware that there are actually people, sorry, people in the yes camp, being a bit more aware that there are people in the no <coughs> camp who have got other reasons that are perfectly legitimate and we just weight things differently. And yeah, I mean, I can't... Who's who's the senator who was in the Greens and left? Lydia Thorpe. Yeah. I, I, I You can't accuse her of being anti-black. Mm. And she she's voting no because she feels it doesn't go far enough. Yes. Number of so people I, like I, I have so, seen some recognition of that, mm. that there are those in the no camp who feel that... That this is a time waster. This is a make white people feel good mm. whilst doing absolutely nothing. Mm. So I know Marcia Langton got into all sorts of trouble about whether she was sort of calling people racist or not, but as, as I see it, there's, they tend to paint people with the same brush. They talk about the no campaign without yeah. re, without taking the time to say, okay, there are some other people out there who are, voicing non-racist objections to this, leaving them aside, blah, 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 but you, you don't see that sort of thing. It's- and, and I have to say the vocal no campaign, the, the, the people who've been pushing it mm. have been trotting out misinformation almost certainly. Of course, yep, yep. The whole thing, not enough detail, blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> there are other people who are 
like us who have different reasons that we feel are legitimate and we sort of think just as if you're in the public making this argument, you've got to be really careful to avoid the basket of deplorables situation. Absolutely. And I don't think enough care is being taken to avoid making that mistake. And I think there's a lot of people who are feeling they've been labelled or thrown into the basket of deplorables and they're not happy about it. A little bit of extra nuance would have been nice. Yeah, and also the the feeling as well, some people, if they feel excluded, Mm. if you're generally left-leaning but feel that you are kicked out because you have concerns about something, that if the other side is willing to embrace you, then possibly you will mm. move to the right mm. and, and say, well, at least these people will listen to me. Mm. I've got some other material I was going to use, <laughs> Joe, but mm-hmm. I think I'll save it. Dear listener, I've, so I prepared a bunch of notes for last week that I've been holding off on and because I was really just saying to Liam, well, what's your arguments and let's just deal with those. And Mm -hmm. so I had a lot of stuff that never got touched because it wasn't really stuff that Liam had raised. Next week is my my daughter's birthday and I'm cooking dinner and dessert on Tuesday night. I think I might during the week just do a rant on some of the other notes that I've got. And so the bits that I was going to talk about in this one, particularly uh, stuff that had come – that come across because of this interaction with Andrew, I will leave for that episode, I think. So I think that would be the way to deal with that. Right. Essential polls. Ah, Joe, currently, oh, let me just share the screen here. I'll do it this way, I think. That's going to be the best way, maybe. Um, Presentations, video storage, hang on a second, where is that? Right there, share screen. Sorry, I got the wrong one. It's coming up, dear listener. There it is. So let's go back to this is the latest essential report. And let's just go to the overall trend, which is the no vote for essential is 52%. And the yes vote is 42 and the undecided 9%. So um, it really seems, Joe, that according to the polls, there's no way back for the yes votes. It would be something quite extraordinary for the yes vote. Yeah, I mean, don't forget. Brexit was polling as not going to happen and Trump was polling as not going to happen, so I'd be careful with the polls. But did, well, okay, <laughs> Trump actually lost the overall vote. So, True. So the poll was actually correct in regards to overall sentiment on Trump, but it just happened he got the right states. And I think Brexit, wasn't Brexit, weren't there Brexit polls showing that a Brexit decision was likely? I I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think it was also the people didn't feel that they could say that they were going to vote Brexit. Yes. Whereas I think people don't feel that they can't say that they're going to vote no to the voice. Mm. I think people feel more 
more free to say that. Mm. So, uh, so anyway, that's where it's sitting in terms of essential poll and what else was in here that might have been interesting? Attitudes to the referendum. So do you agree or disagree with this statement? I've had discussions with other people about the referendum. So what's that? 50... 61% of people would say they've had discussions with other people about the referendum. And then 39% would say that people I know don't seem to want to talk about the referendum. And 27% would say they've had disagreements with people about the referendum. I mean, it's interesting. It came up at work <clears throat> with people undecided and, and wanting to hear a potted version of the arguments. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised. I, I don't know if everyone's received them, but I've received from the AEC a here's what the text is going to be, here's what the yes vote are saying, here's what the no vote are saying. Right. Which at least summarised it. Mm -hmm. Whether it was the full argument, at least you could pick it up, read the article and get a uh, a feeling of why people were saying yes and why people were saying no. Yeah. So so it's yeah, it's looking would be quite extraordinary for the yes vote to get up. We'll see how that pans out. Back on the Greens, Guy Rundle was writing in Crikey. So to do with this housing fund the and sort of the Greens got another billion dollars, Joe. So they improved the deal and so you might remember, dear listener, that the Greens held off agreeing and got $2 billion. They, they sabotaged the wonderful plan that Labor was agreeing to. Correct, which was the maximum that could possibly be spent. Mm. So they got $2 billion and now they've got an extra billion. So by holding off and they've agreed to, to, to this latest arrangement with Labor. So good work on the Greens' part. For mm. sticking to their guns, Guy Rundle writing says the Greens got another billion. Labor is now going out of its way to present as pro-business. On Radio National Breakfast a week or so ago, Finance Minister Katie Gallagher praised Jennifer Westacott's outstanding leadership of the Business Council of Australia. Honestly, you're... You're the Labor Finance Minister and you want to start praising the Business Council of Australia and in particular Jennifer Westacott. It's hard, you know, she's the cheerleader for... So, so obviously Jennifer Westacott's been advocating for above CPI's and that's why Labor are praising her. It's just... So, as Guy Rundle says, Labor's going out of its way to appear pro-business. And he describes, Westcott describes this as a gutless celebration of anti-worker forces if ever there was one. Meanwhile, the various disputes around labour protection moves are understood as disputes between friends. Business knows that the union movement is now a funds management outfit with an attached employee management service called the ACTU. That sounds about right. Such a good turn of phrase. I wish I could write like that. And... The Greens have thus been rewarded for their political courage in holding out on the housing bill, suffering the calumny of voting with the coalition. 
In the Senate, they showed up independent David Pocock as inexperienced and weak. Pocock voted for the initial half and then had to scramble to get on the green side when the party won the first $2 billion of actual money for the fund. And having then urged the Greens to vote for the bill after that, he will now have to adjust his position again to welcome the next billion they got. Good points. Hmm. He says, Guy Rundle, the Greens have used their swing position in the Senate to become the de facto opposition at a certain level of politics at least. So there we go, Guy Rundle, the Greens. In the chat room, Alison's there and her mum, Bev. Good on you, Alison. What else? I've got a clip here. Had you ever heard of Tim Gurner before? He does, does he pull silly, silly faces? Don't know. It's a sport in the UK. Gurning is pulling silly faces. Is it? Yes. There you go. So he's a property developer and CEO, very wealthy man. And, okay. And he had some thoughts on what's wrong with Australia. Let me find a video clip of him talking. Some of you may have seen this guy. So, really, when the arguments come about whether we need a wealth tax or not, all we need to do is just play this clip. Here we go. I think the problem that we've had is that we've, you know, we, we have people decided they didn't really want to work so much anymore through COVID, and that has had a massive issue on productivity. You know, tradies have definitely pulled back on productivity. You know, they, they have been paid, paid a lot to do not too much in the last few years. And we need to see that change. We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment has to jump 40, 50%, in my view. We need to see pain in the economy. We need to remind people that they work for the employer, not the other way around. I mean, there is a, there's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them as opposed to the other way around. So it's a dynamic that has to change. We've got to kill that attitude and that has to come through hurting the economy, which is what the whole global, you know, the, the world, is trying to do, the governments around the world are trying to increase unemployment to get that to some sort of normality. And we're seeing it. I think every employer now is seeing it. I mean, there is definitely massive layoffs going off. People might not be talking about it, but people are definitely laying people off and we're starting to see less arrogance in the employment market. And that has to continue because that will cascade across the cost balance. I think we need to see less arrogance in the employer market. And he's a living example of why we should eat the rich. <laughs> As arrogant workers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's strange. I did management theory years ago at TAFE, mm. and it was very much your manager is there to enable you to do your job. Yes. The manager isn't there to tell you what to do. They're there to enable you because you, the worker, are the person who is the productive one. Yes. Well, not just too many arrogant workers out there. I mean, the guy was just repeating what is Reserve Bank policy. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this, your listener, with I think it was the Phillips, was it the Phillips curve or something like that that we were talking about, Joe? Um, I don't remember the name, but <clears throat> I certainly remember the whole, yeah, we have to keep unemployment at a certain percentage. Right. Yep. Otherwise, inflation's going to go through the roof. Yeah. Joe, I've got this great tool now mm-hmm. called the transcript search tool. You did say, yes. Yes. So I can tell you now that we use the word Phillips in episode 374 and episode 350. 
like it quickly, like instantaneously finds, goes through the transcript. And here's what we had to say about the Phillips curve. Hang on. And this is all part of a theory called the Phillips curve. And the problem with that is that around the world, they are looking at unemployment figures and we go on. How cool is that? Like you really can find stuff really quick. The other thing we mentioned was a guy called Phillips Hermans. But anyway. So, so now your spousal arguments you're recording and transcribing so that you can look back and see 10 years ago you said. That's, you could. It would be really handy. I want that in my life. <laughs> you said this. No, I didn't. I said this. Where's my, where's my transcript tool? Yes. Yeah, because I, I was playing with it before and, and I thought, when did we talk about chickens on the episode? And this thing, I'm just going to type in chickens now, Joe, and I haven't gone all the way back with these. I, I think you're going to foul it up. So episode 394, we used the word chickens. What did we say? When they had to kill the chickens they were looking after. In the, there's another one. Birth rights. Yeah. So the the exam oh, question. Hang on. Anyway, I actually gave that to Liam as part of his prep to say, hey, if you're wondering what, oh, yeah. what Scott was saying about stuff, you can look through the transcript tool. Anyway, all good fun. Now, where was I? So yeah, that was he, he was just repeating what the Reserve Bank has been saying is crush the workers <laughs> and make them feel precarious so that then wages will bring, bring back serfdom. Yes, that was it. So so that was him, and he was just repeating a Reserve Bank policy. So why all the fuss, one would wonder. What else have we got here? I've also got anybody out there a fan of Joe Rogan? Please tell me you're not. So he had some stuff. But Joe, Joe Rogan many years ago had some long-form interviews with some very interesting people and some long-form interviews with some total idiots. Mm. And the problem was he seemed to not know the difference between them. Yeah. But he has since ignored the decent people and gone full tilt with the idiots. Yeah. And he's a product of his culture. And if you grow up in America and... Beating the shit out of each other. And you're worth 500 million. Then you end up with brain damage. And you're worth $500 million. These are the things that you will say. <laughs> Here, but here's the thing. One of you should do that. One of you should take care of the children. Like this idea that both parents should get maternity and paternity leave at the same time is a little weird. I don't think so. You don't I don't. Think so? I don't. Only Why? because I have a German cousin and they get the shit. I mean, they get like a full year for the woman and okay. nine months for the husband. That's great. You want to live in Germany? Because in America, <laughs> you got to work. Like, here's the thing. If you have a small business, you're the one who loves small businesses. Okay, right? Yeah. You know? Imagine. No, if you, you can't take maternity leave. Uh, imagine. <laughs> If you have an employee and this is your like your fucking CEO of your little company or whatever, and they they're the wife has a baby and the husband's like, I'm taking four months off. You're like, what the <laughs> f are you talking about? I'm and I'm questioning what who do you believe should pay for something like I that? I don't know, but if I was an employer and I had a guy <laughs> who worked for me. I had a guy who worked for me who wanted to take three months off because his wife gave birth, I'd be like, What the fuck are you talking about, Mike? <laughs> Mike, Even to support his did wife? You give birth? To support his wife, I pay him for free. <laughs> Do you understand that this is kind of most people, when this happens, if they make enough money, the wife will not work and the father will work. Right. And then the wife takes care of the child. And this is normal. Yeah. 
and then the dad provides support when he comes home. If you're saying that the man and the woman should both get like three months off, this is a new thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it? not new in Europe, but it's... we're not in Europe. <laughs> this is better. This is America. America. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I, I disagree with him that America is better. <laughs> ah, Liam's joined us in the chat room. Hello, Liam. You know, I just quickly typed in Joe Rogan. Says Tanya joined us. Yeah, hello. Sorry, Tanya as well. I just quickly typed in Rogan to this transcript tool. Joe, we're starting to just repeat <laughs> ourselves after 400 mm. episodes. Here's what we said before. Off the deep end. Right, yeah, yep. And even so, Joe, Joe Rogan was one of those... He had some really great people on, and he had long-format conversations where you could get deep into the weeds with some really interesting people. He also had some complete dickheads on, and he would get into the weeds with them. <laughs> and I think that... There you go, Joe. Yep. You're consistent. I am consistent. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I just find that interesting, playing around with that. Where are we up to? That was Joe Rogan. Look, episode 400... Got to thank the patrons. A couple of recent ones in particular. From August 2023, Paige and also Damien Van Schneidel. From 2022, we've got Danny Ball and Obrad Puscarica, Anti-US Sentiment and Mark Lavelle. From 2021, we've still with us, Tom Stubbings, Rico, Greg P and Shannon Legg. Still with us from 2020 is Matt Dwyer, Sue Cripp, James, Leanne. Ramwin Wayne, David Handby, Virgil, Craig Ball, Shane Ingram, which is, I think, is that Yam? No, and then Yam Yam Blue, who is in the chat room, Zambuck, David Copley, and Graham Hannigan. Still with us from 2019 as regular patrons, John in Dire Straits, who's currently on a cruise ship, by the way, Donnie Darko, Camille, Tom Doolan, Paul Waper, Alexander Allen, Matthew Craig S., Glenn Bell, Adam Priest, Murray Waper, and Andy Dowling. Still with us, who started in 2018, Peter Gillespie, Gavin S., David Curtin, Liam McMahon, who's in the chat room. Good on you, Liam. Dominic DeMassey, Maddock Mann, Bronwyn, who's often in the chat room, Kane, Jimmy Spud, Tony Wall and Steve Shinners. From 2017, we've still got Alison, who's there in the chat room, Ayame, Wayno and Craig, and the sole survivor who started with us in 2016, Janelle Louise. People who don't like to do it through Patreon but have done it through pay, uh, PayPal, Mr. T, Ann Reed, Darren Giddens, Dave S from Cairns and Noel Hamilton. Thank you to all those people. There are expenses with this podcast, dear listener, the website, the MP3 hosting, this restream service that I'm using, Descript to get rid of ums and ahs, Crikey subscription, an RSS feed reader that I subscribe to, the Courier Mail that I pay 10 bucks a month for, the John Menadu blog, which is such a vital input into this podcast, I send them like 15 bucks a month, something like that. Caitlin Johnston and an economist called Michael Hudson. So we do return some of that money to the most valuable sort of news outlets that we come across. In the show notes, there will be a link to a Twitter link talking about NATO provocation and all of the people who said from Henry Kissinger downwards that what NATO's doing is going to provoke the Russians. Not a good idea. It's going to cause war. And a huge number of people, it's all there in a link. I won't go through them again. Cameron Leckie is a guy I follow on Twitter. 
he found this article from the ABC online. The first part of it reads, is Huawei's new phone proof China is gaining ground in the chip wars? Chinese state media has pointed to Huawei's new smartphone, blah, blah, blah. Cameron Leckie makes the point. This is an article by the ABC News, arguably also state-backed sort of media. Mm-hmm. It all depends how you want to phrase things, isn't it? Would the ABC refer to themselves as state-backed media? Uh, well, are they a tabloid? Yes. And what else have we got? <coughs> Terrible stuff happening in Libya, Joe, where there was the same sort of rainstorm that affected Greece, ended up in Libya, massive amount of water, which then caused a Yeah, appar- apparently the Mediterranean is unusually warm, which led to effectively a cyclone. Mm. Funny thing happens, dear listener, as you increase the air temperature, the capacity of the air to hold moisture increases dramatically. So warm temperatures lead to more moisture in the air, hence rainstorms beyond previous experience and also snowfall beyond previous experience because of that. Do I want to go and do it in this episode? Yeah. Another time, I think. After 400, I reckon I can cut this one short at 59 minutes because it doesn't really fit in. But it's- Shay is going to end up in the shark tank. <laughs> yeah, we just can't talk about laser beams in the shark tank because YouTube will then. Well, there is that. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go. Um, that's a quick episode. 400, done and dusted. 400 down, I don't know how many to go. I reckon good for another 100 at least. Depends if I can keep the job I've got, which allows me the time to do these things. So if you want to ensure, dear listener, that this podcast goes on longer than that, tell your friends. It'd be good to have a few more people. Only get about Tre- two. Trevor's, Trevor's retirement fund needs uh, a top up. Exactly. Yeah. Because if I, if, if, Joe, I end up in your position of losing my job yeah. and I have to get a real one, Yes. There's no way I'll be able to do a podcast like this. Just won't have the time. Just be impossible. So it's a really good conversion rate, actually. And about the first week of this podcast, there's only about 250 downloads. So to have 50 people contributing out of that is seriously high proportion. So it just shows the value that you provide, Trev. That's right. And the caliber of listener that we have here. Mm, so yeah. tell your friends. To listen to the podcast, and let's just get it a little bit bigger so that if I do need to rely on this <laughs> to some extent. See, the problem is, Trevor, yeah. you're not right-leaning enough. <laughs> That's if you were true. more right-leaning, you'd have more rich listeners That's exactly right. do- donating silly money. Yeah, that is exactly right. The money in these sorts of things is mm. in the right-wing sphere, absolutely. That's why it was that idiot, Steve Rubin. Yes, yes. Started off a bit of a lefty, just went increasingly mm-hmm. right, 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 because that's where a paying audience developed. Mm. There we go. Well, I, as I mentioned, it's my daughter's birthday. Hello to Lee at The Gap. Yes, my daughter does not listen to this podcast. She knows nothing about it. So um, 
I won't hold it against her. I'll still cook her a birthday dinner. And I don't think we'll be live streaming. Well, we won't be live streaming next Tuesday. Okay. I will have recorded something to put out and we'll do that. Joe, you're in Australia for another four or five uh, weeks, six or seven weeks. I, I leave the second week of October. Right. Yep. So three, three, four weeks left. Right. Yep. And then it'll be haphazard as to whether you can get internet connection. Yes. Ah, oh, I reckon you'll be able to. I'm making a prediction that you'll be with us more often than not. I, I think so. My audio will be on my headset, so it won't be a shiny microphone because mm. it's going to be hassle logging around and it'll be the laptop webcam, mm. but it's not bad. Mm. I'll talk to you off air about that. All right. Mm. Okay, dear listener, thanks for tuning in for episode 400. We'll be back next week. Scott will definitely have received his removalists will have arrived with the boxes. The missing microphone will be there. We'll talk to you then. Bye for now. And it's a good night from him. Marty quit drinking. Found religion for a while. I didn't love that. To be honest, I preferred him before. He had a sense of humour then. Okay. Number nine, the man in the sky who controls everything decides if you go to the good place or the bad place. He also decides who lives and who dies. Does he cause natural disasters? Yes. Did he cause my mom to get cancer? Yes. Did he cause that tree to land on my car last week? Yeah. Did he kill my dad with that heart attack? Yeah. I say fuck the man that lives in the sky. Yeah. I run fifth in a vibe with love. Oh shit.